Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, episode 16. I am appreciating this conversation and everyone involved, whether it's on a Twitch live stream, Patreon group chat, a guest on an episode, any which way, a listener, just messaging in Discord a little bit, even just being willing to question one thing that you used to be certain about. It's been a lot of fun to have this conversation with more and more iterations of myself, and I couldn't be more excited about where this might go. And I'm inspired. I really want to say that, Andrew, man, you're fantastic. I am incredibly impressed with how committed you are to the conversation, as well as how brave you are about tackling these topics that a lot of people will get uncomfortable about. And I want to say that because I'm about to talk about our listener next, so I wanted to make sure I covered you first. To our listener as well, thank you so much. You really do inspire us all the time. The fact that you are still here, the fact that you're participating in any way, shape, or form, the fact that you're just listening to this keeps us going. It really does remind us that there are people who want to have this conversation. We'd be having it regardless, but it's nice to know that you're listening and that you're out there creating ripples and that those ripples will eventually get back to us if they haven't already. So thank you for helping to create the world that we're all experiencing because we really are all in this together. Amen. And with all that said, I hope you enjoyed this live stream. That is Duelist Community Raw, episode 16. And here we are, Monday. All right. It's funny. You can tell I, I, I'm no longer working for someone else when I get so excited about Mondays. I know, right? Uh, and, and even s- Sunday, too. Like, Sundays are technically our first day of work. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. No, I, it's, it's funny, like, thinking about it. Cause, cause I was thinking just about like guests. And then when I have to, I, I, I'm getting to instinct tonight, uh, for tomorrow and just thinking about that. And I, I do not track days nearly as well. It's more just like, all right, today's a guest day, tomorrow's movie day, next day, live free public group chat. It's like, it's not a Monday, Tuesday thing, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and then. It's funny because I don't think about the weekends too often either, except when we have a workshop coming up, which is coming up at the end of this week. We have an authentic coaching and relationship building workshop because it's not just about coaching. You can take it if you are interested in coaching or if you're already a coach, but if you're just trying to figure out how to build more authentic relationships, if you're trying to understand a little bit more about how to be more of a vulnerable leader rather than somebody who relies on force. This is definitely a workshop that you'll be interested in. So check it out. It's available on the website. You can find it in the store or just under the events tab in our navigation bar. Tickets are on sale uh, until Saturday morning. Hell yeah. I'm excited for that. It's been a been a minute since we did a workshop. We had, we had a few uh, early on back then, but yeah. Yeah, we got three currently, but yeah, I think the... Uh, what what were we thinking next to we got a relationship uh, workshop relationship. coming up in yeah. february early february we're going to be doing a, a workshop on relationships and dating basically just offering some advice some perspectives some things to watch out for maybe some uh some habits that you may want to be aware of that tend to be fairly common especially given that we're all human beings and we all if we want to be loved and, and nurtured and cared for and everything else there are uh 
there are some dangers in that need. And so it's important to keep that in mind while you're having fun, of course, and being your most authentic self and not giving a damn whether people love you or not, because you are already valuable. So it's going to be a fun workshop. Keep an eye out for that. We'll, of course, let everybody know. You can sign up for the newsletter on our website or just join us on Discord or Patreon, and then you'll get all the updates of everything that we're doing moving forward, because I think we're going to be doing a lot more workshops. Yeah, they're always always a lot of fun to be able to... I mean, it's kind of like at a an expanded community topics with an audience. It's kind of how I think of it, um, which is great, like incorporating those because being able to focus in on a topic, there's a lot of depth to topics like that. And people are, there's, you know, five to 10 topics that most people have the most concern about or issues with in their life. And so being able to go deep on it and then moving forward, just send people to it. Like I get questions about, you know, what do, what do I think happens when you die type questions all the time. And I just send them to season two, episode 10. Uh, and it's super easy because, yeah, talking about something like that, it's not just a a black and white answer. There's a lot of depth. And I think it always starts with how you define yourself and how you see yourself. You can't just go to well, what happens when I die. It's like, our, well, what do you think you are? <laughs> let's let's dig into that a little bit. And then maybe we can start talking about, you know, the the experience of death a little bit. But, yeah, the workshops are always a blast and always fun having people in there to, you know, take part in the Q and a, which is the second half of every day. Yeah, absolutely. I love workshops. I've always loved workshops because you do get a chance to, while it's still about going fluidly through the insights as best you can, there is some degree of structure. You do have some idea of like, okay, today we're going to cover this and tomorrow we're going to cover this. And I, I really enjoy that process of structuring a message from beginning to end. And so a workshop is a great way to do that. And it's a great way to connect with people again on, on a specific topic that they're interested in. So you can really focus in on those questions without hopefully wandering off on a tangent. But if you are the kind of person who likes wandering off on a tangent, I want to express again that the retreat coming up in April, on April 1st to April 9th, is going to be fantastic. There are four tickets remaining. Two tickets were bought yesterday, so there are only four tickets left. Uh, the tickets cover everything, all of your meals, everything that you're going to be doing at the retreat. Uh, the retreat itself is something otherworldly in the fact that it's not like a retreat at all. It's actually kind of a retreat from the concept of a retreat. There's nothing but freedom. There's nothing but you getting to just have your space, be yourself, really focus on the insights that you've been wanting to work on. Everybody around you is going to be doing the same thing and they're going to respect the process that you're going through in the same way that you'll respect theirs just by virtue of empathy. And so I just wanted to say that this retreat is already lining up to be amazing. The five people who are coming right now, we know them and we've talked to them. So we know the kind of conversation that we're more than likely going to be having is going to be deep and insightful and emotional and amazing. And so if you would like to be one of the four final people to join us at this retreat, definitely pick up your tickets now. They're available on the website. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then next fall, we got another one coming up already, but that one's going to be a little bit less intimate, definitely a different experience. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one because it's really going to allow us to just connect with other iterations of ourselves and get significantly deeper than we're able to, you know, through a video call 
on a lot of these topics because as much as you know division is merely a perception that proximity to other iterations of yourself there is something to be said for that if the first retreat is any indication of that recognition so yeah couldn't be more excited for that a lot of fun stuff coming up book coming up we were talking about that yesterday quite a bit uh the title i'm fucking stoked about the title oh man i like it's so perfect uh it's just so perfect i don't know if we're sharing anything like that publicly yet but yeah join us on patreon i think uh we're going to be allowing access and kind of rough draft availability to tier three supporters so if you have any interest in taking part in literally taking part in the creation of the book definitely hop on patreon but yeah that's going to be a fun one to get out there yeah i'm really looking forward to working on it because I, I love to write and and uh, as as i was just saying i love crafting uh, a complex long format message and so this is going to be quite a challenge but also a lot of fun and as andrew was saying being a tier three supporter doesn't just give you access to the drafts as they come out month, month to month. But as with yesterday's group, you actually get to be part of the brainstorming process. We came up with the title for the book yesterday in our tier three group with the people who were uh, speaking with us because we were inspired by the conversation. And so it really is like a chance to help mold and influence whatever the book is going to be. And we appreciate the support, of course. And this is why we're more than happy to share that experience with you. But uh, yeah, I, I'm stoked. I haven't written a book in years. Uh, for anybody who is looking for what I wrote last, there's an ebook on the website, The Seven Stages of Limitless Living. If you are a Patreon supporter, actually, you already get a free copy of that. So if you don't know where to access that, just reach out on Discord and somebody can point the way. It's also on the website. Yeah, can confirm that's an awesome book. I read it, actually read it on the way to the last retreat. I think it was a good precursor to, to the retreat. So yeah, highly recommend that. And yeah, I mean, I wrote an ebook uh last year, last fall, 2021. Um, so that's sort of my experience with it. Just it's like 14 chapters, basically just expanded on different topics that I talk about in my content, but definitely on the uh shallower you know quote unquote shallower side but at the same time it's like i don't even know those those ideas of shallower versus deeper it's like it's more about the application and i think even the the topics you know fear of judgment that can go as shallow or as deep as you want in terms of the recognitions that come with it and it really comes down to you and i think the deeper you go the maybe the the harder it can be for everyone to follow but at the same time the more impact that that recognition will actually have if you go deep into recognizing that you know, you're always just interacting with yourself so there really isn't any judgment to fear because it's all you interacting with yourself and so i think i'm just excited with the book to kind of go in and out of basically just figuring out how to allow it to be basically applicable to anyone, but also get the depths of what we discuss across to those same people eventually. <laughs> yeah. And, and people at, at different stages of the journey. 
I was thinking about this again last night after our tier three call. So I'm looking forward to our, our next group discussion where we get to brainstorm some more, but you and I will chat throughout the week. I'm sure. So now that we're all started and it's Monday and we've done all the announcements and that's all out of the way, I was wondering, do you have any questions from your Instagram family, sir? Uh, yes, I do have a few. Um, figure we can just get deep into it. I feel like, uh, all right, whatever. Uh, this is this is a good one. Why would you rather exist than not exist? If that is a surprisingly possible. good question, because it's kind of a two-edged sword existence. We've talked about this actually, because there's a lot that goes with existence, the entire dualistic spectrum, right? Like suffering is a part of existence. Loneliness is a part of existence. Pain is a part of existence, you know, fear, anger, all that fun stuff. But on the same token, that's what makes joy and appreciation and love and happiness and empathy what they are in terms of the experience. And so I've often come back to this. Is experience worthwhile? And I would say it is. I would say it is for a number of reasons. I mean, the alternative being, and the word nothing's not quite correct because non-existence isn't nothing. It's a there's not even a nothing to consider in terms of non-existence. There would be no existence to have nothing within, if you if you know what I'm saying. So non-existence would just be a, a lack of being, and, and that would also be a lack of time and a lack of space. So even if you had that, the question is how long would that last? And unfortunately, being a limitless being, it wouldn't. It wouldn't even be possible because in that non-existence is still potentially everything that could be in existence. And I've said this before, but that's what we are. Yeah, I feel like there's so many different ways we can go with this type of conversation. But the reality is when you even just asking a question, why would you rather exist than not exist? It's clear that you have a limited idea of yourself because if you saw beyond that limited idea you would recognize that you're just existence itself and non-existence can't exist because if it existed it would just be existence again as ray was pointing to and so it makes me wonder like we have this idea of existence and non-existence and we think of non-existence as kind of like i don't know black darkness or just nothingness but again that includes the potential for anything so it's it's so much there's so much more to the conversation and in that spectrum of all of the emotions that we have preferences over everything that and is included within this realm of experience that we have like there is no other alternative and even just through that, you know, the, the idea that you, you could think that you couldn't exist. It's like, why? Because you're experiencing more of the things that you'd prefer not to be experiencing as opposed to more of the things that you would like to be experiencing. And why do you not want to be experiencing those things? Do you not see the inherent necessity in experiencing both ends of the spectrum that the the enjoyable experience couldn't be understood without the unpleasant 
experience in whatever way, shape or form, or the comfortable emotion couldn't be appreciated without the uncomfortable emotions. And so you can't even have one side of that spectrum because if you only experienced quote unquote positive emotions, you wouldn't even know what that was. It would just be that experience. And so even just thinking about different human experiences, everyone has a different spectrum. Someone's good can be someone else's bad. Someone's bad can be someone else's good. So there's no objective positive and negative experiences. Someone could be very comfortable in a situation that is incredibly uncomfortable for someone else. And so it it really comes down to you recognizing that there's a vast spectrum on which all of these experiences exist and letting go of those opinions and preferences can help you recognize the necessity of, of both ends of it. And just being where you're at is the only thing you could ever possibly be. So why not be here now and stop wanting to be anywhere else? And again, it's a good question, right? It's just, it comes, I think the point of the question is that it's a chance to reflect on your priority, on your focus, right? What are you really looking at? Because, and we were talking about this a little while ago with somebody in the community that sometimes our focus becomes the suffering that we're going through, the confusion that we're in, the conflict that's happening day to day, the expectations of others that we feel weighing us down, the lot in life that we're dealt or the things that we have to deal with. Sometimes we focus on those things to the point where all we're actually seeing isn't actually the thing, but our opinion of the thing, our opinion of our life. So now we're experiencing our perception of our life rather than just our life. And the reason I bring this up is because in that state, you start to wonder what the hell you're living for, because it just seems hellish. And it's largely because you're sustaining that hell through your opinion, through your identity, through your need to reinforce some sense of certainty that at least you know who you are, and that's what's weighing you down. Often in situations where you can't stop thinking about your life like that, do something that changes it. I mean that. Do something dramatic. Move. Save your money for two months. Find a roommate. You know, go to a new city. Visit a relative. Ask them if you can rent their room for, for a month in a city you've never been to or have spent very little time in. Just do something to remind yourself that you can. Knock yourself off guard. Be uncertain. Go into a situation you have no idea what you're going to do with. And what you'll recognize is that the hell that you've been experiencing is largely just because you're comfortable enough to sustain it. If you can take that comfort away, all of a sudden, of necessity, the thoughts peel back. And you find opportunity. But that opportunity is there now. It's just that your opinion and your perception is blocking you from seeing it because you're overcommitted to it. And I understand that that's a vicious cycle. That's a hard loop to get out of. This is why I've often said that the hard part about being in hell is that it convinces you there's nothing else, that this is all you'll ever feel. That is the hardest part. But understand that's just a product of the way you're thinking. It's not actually the truth. It just seems true. Yeah, your perception of your life is not the reality 
of your life and your opinion of how it's going is not the reality of how it's going and what you're going through. But yeah, I, I think I find it interesting just with all, all the mental health issues and suffering that people experience when you think about, you know, switching up your environment or focusing on something else, like thinking back to you know, ancestral days. I wonder if there was almost any of that mental suffering that we experience now in remotely the same way. Because if you think about being out you know, in the wilderness or out on the plains and people are dying relatively frequently people don't live that long like it makes me wonder how much time or energy could possibly be spent on the idea of yourself and how you're perceived when you're focused on getting enough food so you don't starve having protection so a wild animal doesn't come and eat you know half the people in your tribe and the fact that you're only living to you know, 30, 40 years old, like you don't have this extended period of time where you don't feel like death isn't always around the corner. And so you're actually able to be more attentive to where you're at because you're not, there isn't so much time and space available for you to fill it with so much of a story about what's happening and you are where you're happening. So it's all, it always makes you wonder just, thinking back when we were more concerned about our physical reality and safety, if there wasn't much space for the mental unsafety or suffering. Yeah, I think that's a fairly safe thing to say. Not to say that it wasn't there entirely, of course, because I mean, we've been empire building and, and, and being bastards for a very long time. <laughs> for sure, there's always been some some egotism in there there's always been some capacity for greed or jealousy or, or selfishness or for sure but when things were harder on us there was less time at the end of the day right like it takes time to gather wood it takes time to, to gather food it takes time to build your own shelter and and when you are reliant on a small tribe of people you're much less likely to be an asshole to them because you're all in it together and so there's almost this necessity to build a relationship and to empathize. And so the environment itself is, is kind of what helps, right? Not just the fact that it's harder, but because of the fact that you have more space, because you, have do, you do have more time to process, as it were, because that's the nice thing about manual labor. It's the one thing I missed after I left the bush was the process of, of you know, chopping wood you know, building things and, and, and in general, just being useful because you're, you're really using your hands. And in that, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about what you need to get done. And so there's so much value in that, that one would have to think that, yeah, back in the day, just having the necessity to do it that way, but also an environment where, where that's all we did. Because think about how quiet it would be back in the day. I don't know how much time you spent away from people in general, like in the wilderness by yourself, but it's so quiet all the time. You almost don't want to disturb it. And in that quiet, there's self-reflection. You know, there's the capacity for awareness and attention and insight and imagination, all kinds of good stuff, right? And it's just what we're talking about all the time is that we need, we need more of that in order to continue to develop ourselves. 
so yeah, our lifespan might have been shorter back then, but I think that by 18 to 20 years old, we would have had a radically different perspective on existence and, and life as a whole, especially, especially in terms of relationships, taking care of those around us. Yeah, it, it'd be very, very different. Yeah, there's just so much less necessity because you don't technically have to work together but it would make things a lot easier if we did. And we're kind of seeing the repercussions of not doing that and that there are actual repercussions to it. But because we have this illusion that we're divided from everything, it's like we have to come full circle to, to let go of what we're told and what we're taught to recognize it as opposed to way, way back. It was kind of more understood because you were all in it together. You did have to work together in order to survive it was probably a lot easier to tell that oh this is this is one organism that i'm a aspect of but also the whole thing as well so there's yeah. a you were raised differently too right like that's all it, it takes village right as opposed to the mentality we have right now it's like you're a parent good luck you need help turn to the state right because none of your neighbors give a shit about you, or at least they're too busy trying to survive in the system that's not aware that you're here to be able to help, right? And we've just kind of lost that that sense of empathy. We've lost that that connection to what we are, not just individually, but collectively. Like we really don't connect to the human species anymore. Like we do so kind of through text and and email. And Zoom is kind of nice because we can have this conversation. But in general. We don't really connect with one another anymore unless we agree with one another like we're very very divided and and back in tribal society it's not like we always agreed it's just that the obvious necessity well not even necessity but the obvious benefit of just focusing on the relationship over being right i think would have been easier to see right because again less noise, less, less distraction, more space, more time, all of that affects you. All of that affects you. This is one of the biggest problems we have as a species right now is essentially we're in a chicken coop, right? Like we have been packed in to smaller and smaller and smaller places and the economy is not making it any easier. You have people who are living, you know, four or five people in a two bedroom apartment. Why? Well, because necessity they have to but that grinds on you that kind of stuff grinds on you even if you have your own apartment and you live in a large city as as andrew did just being jostled as you're walking down the, the street if you don't have any space for yourself to reflect that can just make it worse it really can because all of a sudden now you're lost in your opinion of that and every single person starts to irritate you and it becomes this downward spiral so space time even a little exercise some fresh air and the quiet super important it changes everything about our lives right so if you're listening to this right now we appreciate you being here I don't, i'm not going to say go away go spend some time in the quiet but when you have an opportunity today just take five minutes to just sit for the sake of sitting don't listen to anything don't do anything just take five minutes there you are five minutes you can do whatever you want with them life will continue on after the fact but they're your five minutes and just settle into being the universe settled into being the moment with no other purpose except for the fact that your body and your mind and everything about you will benefit from 
taking a breath, like you've come so far, take a breath. It's important. Yeah. And as you were mentioning, like it doesn't, we have this idea that, oh, we have to get out of, you know, the egotistical mentality of a big city or being around people or whatever. And it becomes this like big grand idea, like, oh, I need to take a vacation in the wilderness and spend, you know, four days in silence, blah, blah, blah. As you said, just be five minutes, you know, in the shower. Don't think about the next thing you're doing. Just take a take a break from thinking about everything all the time, including yourself. And even just going on a walk. And if you usually put headphones in, don't put them in and just listen to what's going on around you. And when I was in New York, I was lucky because my grandma lived about 45 minutes north of the city. And so I would go there. Uh, I tried at least like once a month to get up there for at least a day or so um, on a weekend, usually like a Sunday. Um, and I would just walk on a couple walks by myself alone. There was a pond nearby that hardly ever had anyone there. And I would just sit there and just like look at ducks going by and stuff like that, just to just get out of all the noise for a bit. And it wasn't even that I was trying to get anything out of it or thinking about anything. It was, I would just take the time to kind of put myself in a different environment because as much as, you know, I loved being in a big city, it can have an impact on you. Like every environment inevitably has an impact on you. I think there's a degree to which you can voice responsibility of your internal state onto that environment, which only, you know, reinforces the lack of power you feel within yourself for sure. And so that's what I try and get across to people who are in a city or something like that, that because when people would ask like, how, how can you understand this stuff in a city? It's like, it's not about the environment as much as it's about you. So recognizing that and, and being able to experience that sort of understanding within yourself and not need, you know, the perfect environment, the perfect situation, sit with your legs crossed and your hands up like this with your eyes closed. And if anyone comes in and makes any noise, you freak out. It's like, what are you really doing there? You're just reinforcing that you don't have the power in yourself to be at peace despite the environment, no matter what situation that you're in and understanding that you can be in that state of clarity and, and calmness and relaxation and peace, no matter the environment. It's probably the, one of the, best things you can ever understand because then you can drop yourself into any type of situation and roll with it and that's powerful because then you're not so concerned about where you're at or what you're going through because you have that faith in yourself and building faith in yourself is probably the most important thing you can ever do yeah well because at least then you have that regardless of your lack of control over everything else you've got you which is ultimately all you need there have been a few questions here, so I want to get to them. Uh, being new to these ideas, I need to ask, when you find the here and now, it's refreshing and liberating, but inevitably the here and now fades. How can you sustain the here and now, Andrew? Uh, I mean, first of all, does the here and now fade? <laughs> like, that's kind of the, the core of this conversation. Like the here and now is not something you can't experience you are the here you are the now we've it's so fascinating and now i understand people's 
qualms with the power of now because it really conceptualized the core of what you are. We we've had this idea now that okay, today I was present 60% of the time and or yesterday I was only present 20% of the time. It's like motherfucker, you've never not been present. It's the core of what you are and there's a lot of depth to that understanding because you know, typically we hold on to this idea of us that can be present sometimes and isn't present other times. And what what does that even mean? Like, because you're not lost in thought. When you're lost in thought, you're lost in thought here and now. Like, you can't not experience the here and now, but that idea of yourself is essentially all rooted in the past. What you think you are is everything leading up to the here and now. But when you recognize that the here and now is the reality of what you are and not all of those past experiences, accomplishments, trauma, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then you recognize that the here and now is not something you can escape. And because you're not that limited idea of yourself that you've been holding on to, you have infinite potential to be anything. You can rewrite that story in every single moment. You can be born again into every single moment. You don't have to hold on to all of those things that you've relied on to give you that false sense of certainty, that false sense of comfort that in reality is just cutting cutting you off from your true potential because any belief that you have about yourself that isn't here now is limiting. It's going to place a limit on the reality of your infinite potential in every single moment. So how do, how do you get back to the here and now when it, when it, when it fades, you're already there. You're already doing it. You are the here, you are the now. Yeah. And it helps to remember that you've never experienced time, regardless of how much you perceive time and think about time you think about the past you think about the future you've never actually experienced time all you've ever experienced is a procession of change a changing now that's all you've ever experienced and so often when we feel like i'm not in the present anymore it's because we have an idea of the present from our last experience oddly enough which is why it feels like it's fading like disappearing into the past because it's disappearing based on our focus on the past. Because the experience of the here and now is always new. It's always living and fresh. It's never what it was. That's the trick, is to understand that you can never return to a previous state of presence. It's always different because the present is vast and limitless because it's you. So just recognize that, that what you're really trying to do is short circuit the belief that you're not in the present, is short circuit the belief that you can ever not be in the present and short circuit the belief that there is a such thing as time because that's just a perception. So the more you do that, the more you start to recognize there's no effort to being in the present. It's already happening. It's just that you're so used to making an effort not to be that you've forgotten it's a habit. Yeah, we do basically everything in our life to veil the recognition that it's all you here and now like everything we hold on to every experience we go through we we veil this reality as a coping mechanism because it's uncomfortable to recognize that you're alone here now and that's all that you are like you are not all that you are but you're all you're all that for eternity 
forever. I am you. You are me. You are Ray. Ray is you. <laughs> Ray is just a mouth sound. <laughs> the idea of Ray is not the reality of Ray. And the idea of you is not the reality of you. And understanding that the idea of yourself that you hold on to is never the reality of you is one of the first steps in recognizing that you're just here. You're just now. And beyond that, like when those walls come down between your idea of yourself and the environment that this idea exists within, all of a sudden there's not so much division between yourself and that environment. That environment includes me and Ray. And so as those walls come down, yeah, as those walls come down, you can recognize that you're not divided. You're not what you think you are. You're all of it. Everything and everywhere. Forever. <laughs> and also nothing. And there's a lot of paradoxes that come with that. But yeah, you know, language is inherently limiting. So that's close to the best we can do in expressing that. So is our dualistic brain, right? Like it's really difficult to work with the way that this mechanism is designed or the way that it interprets reality, right? Because like there, there's a question here. Can you explain a bit more about how the observer is the observed? It's like, the problem isn't necessarily that it's difficult to grasp. It's that it's uncomfortable. And so we don't, right? Because the, the recognition that the observer is the observed means that everything that you're observing right now, me, Andrew, our voices, the screen in front of you, possibly the chair underneath you, the environment around you, all of that is all just being experienced through your mind. It's all your awareness. Everything you've ever known is your existence. Everything else is just scenery that could be a product of your mind. And I don't want you to go running with that and go, oh my God, you know, we're in the matrix. What I want you to just, I just want you to consider that possibility. That everything that you've ever existed is more like a dream than it is like a physical reality that you are simply a body within. That the idea that you, that you are a body within something only exists within your awareness. So now that you're there, you can recognize how the observer is the observed. You are your awareness and everything in your reality is your awareness. So the observer and the observed are one, like a dream. The dreamer and the dreamed are the same thing, despite the perception of division. Now, now take that and extend it to everybody else. Everybody else is likewise the observer and the observed. So they're all experiencing things exactly like you are in that they are the only thing that exists to them. They are the only thing that exists to them. We are all in this boat together in that we are totally alone in this boat. I hope that that makes sense. The reason that this is so hard to get is because you're so used to thinking about yourself as an individual body in a universe that you're separate from. But yourself is reality. You are reality, your existence itself, the observer and the observed as one. Everybody else is the exact same self expressed differently. And you, 
that self that is expressed infinitely throughout all of what time and space is, that's you. You're God. You're all that is. But that means you're all of us. And we're all you. So it goes both ways. It's a paradox. You create, you create us as much as we create you because there is no you in us. So there is no creation. We have always been. Well said. Yeah. And just to, just to reiterate, you, like, I think that is the, the toughest thing for people to let go of is recognizing that the you that Ray is referring to when he's referring to you is not the idea of you that you think you are. That is just an idea, just a concept, just an identity rooted in the past based on all the things that you've ever done with the thing that you've always thought that you were. But so, so this discussion and, and recognition has to go through that, through that idea of you and out the other end in recognizing that that idea is never, ever, 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 ever the truth of what you are, the idea that you cling to, no matter how positive the story is, no matter how negative the story is, is never, ever the reality of what you are. You are what is here and now. And no story or idea or concept could ever encapsulate the reality of you. Those are all just words. Those are all just thoughts, all just ideas. You are not limited to that. And so through that, recognizing that it's never the truth, no matter what, any idea that you think of right now is never, ever it. Like It's impossible to think of an idea that encapsulates you. So beyond that, you're just left here now. You are what is. And so there aren't so many thoughts about that that can be had and they aren't necessary. And through that cessation of thinking about yourself and reinforcing the story to yourself that you've always told, it becomes a lot clearer that you've always been. You are infinitely, eternally here and now. You are the here, you are the now. There is no division between you and here and you, and now, and here, and now, and me, and now. <laughs> and everyone's going by, you know, we like to refer to this, everyone goes by I and me, right? And and you. So if we, we were able to recognize that the names that we hold on to are just sounds that were given to us to label a big grouping of cells, what if no one had names? Everyone go by you. Be less convenient, but Everyone would just go by I and me and you. That's it. There would be no perception of or less perception between you and the other because there wasn't so many different things that it was called. But I am you. I'm a part of you in the same type of organism, just like my two fingers are the body. These two fingers are Andrew, right? And what is, what is Andrew? Exactly. This this body, if you were to label this body as Andrew, it's like both the fingers are it, but we have different names for either either of those, right? Doesn't mean that they're divided. It's easier to tell because you can see the physical connection there, but you know, the cells that make up our body 
are no different or the molecules aren't different than the all of the air in between me and you right now, even if we're thousands of miles away. So these are all things that have been proven by science. It's not, you don't have to go that far to recognize that everything in all of reality is kind of, or at least this universe created out of the same molecules. And so that's one way you can more clearly recognize it. And it's the ideas, it's perceptions. It's it's the identities that we hold on to that divide us from me and you. But those are all just illusions. They're not the reality of what is here and now. So as you let go of those beliefs and ideas, it becomes clearer and clearer that you're not what you think you are. And through that dropping of the walls, you're everything and always have been and always will be. And that very much ties into the next question, which was, how do I feel this truth rather than just intellectualize it? And I think that it's important to understand there's a process. You're going to intellectualize this to some degree, kind of of necessity as you distill down all the concepts that you've been relying on. And you will start to recognize that you are almost more intelligent just simply for the fact that you're not so distracted by the illusion of yourself. And so your ability to process those concepts will increase you will start to feel smarter things will start to get a little easier for you you won't have that same hesitation when a challenge comes up you'll be like i got this with a certain degree of confidence because you are a processing machine that's literally you, know, you are the universe's intelligence you are intelligence itself in process and so that's all great but that's not the end of the road that's still the intellectual side that's still the conceptual side and so after that there is actually a point where you have to surrender being intelligent or even the idea of yourself entirely. You have to surrender this talent that you have for sequential processing and, and just have faith from moment to moment to moment. And, and as you do that, as you start to let go of the effort to process or the effort to understand, understanding starts to reveal itself. It's like you get out of the way enough for the processing to really kick into full gear because it's not about you anymore. And as a result of that, your eyes open. And what has always been obvious is obvious because it has always been obvious. It's just that we lack the clarity and the awareness to see it all the time because we're so invested in, in certain illusions, in certain habits. And so, yeah, the intellect, the intellectualization of this is a step that you're going to go through. It's not a bad step by any means, but beyond that step is peace and joy, empathy and love, right? The intellectualization is going to help you condense a lot of the things that have been confusing you just because you haven't had the chance to reflect on them, right? So that's, that's part of the process. Yeah, and, and so along those lines, like imagine for a second that you didn't have to prove anything to anyone ever there was no there was a recognition that proving something to anyone or understanding something didn't actually raise your value or worth and so not understanding something on the flip side doesn't lower your worth at all it can help you to understand that that's the reality of things in in going from intellectualizing this conversation to understanding it because as long as you're intellectualizing it and needing to prove that you understand it 
there's a lot of you involved in that. There's a lot of, I am someone who understands this, which is cutting you off from actually recognizing it more clearly or more deeply. I would even argue that you don't recognize it at all if you're intellectualizing it. And obviously, you know, there's a spectrum and depth to it. It's not to say that you don't recognize it at all, but you're kind of missing the whole thing if you're intellectualizing it and, and thinking that that means something about you because you're not seeing that you're not what you think you are. You're not seeing that you're just as equally me as you are you. Yes, there is the experience of this iteration that you're currently experiencing, but you being you versus you being me is is it's on an equal sort of plane when you recognize that. And so anytime you're intellectualizing it and thinking, I have to understand this, I want to prove this to people that I get it, you're perceiving a lot of division in that between yourself, someone who understands it. I am something separate from everyone else that understands it and they don't. And I my value is is raised because I understand it. And then everyone else, you know, doesn't understand it, or or I want to prove something to them or get them to like me. It's like you're only trying to con you're only convincing yourself of that at the end of the day. So I think letting go of the need to prove anything, which is still, you know, I'm still dealing with that and and letting go of that need and and that understanding that if I didn't change anyone's mind, if I didn't get anyone to understand any of this stuff. I would be perfectly okay. You know, I'm not on here. We're not on here right now to prove anything to you, to convince you of anything, and especially not to get you to believe us. We don't want you to believe us. We say it over and over and over again. We want you to continue questioning us and everything else in your reality, continue questioning your idea of yourself. And eventually, you know, some of the things we're talking about become a lot more obvious, but don't believe us. Cause as long as you're believing us, you're not recognizing it yourself. You're just believing two dudes on a screen that are making mouth sounds. That's all it is. So letting go of the need to prove it to anyone, letting go of the need to understand it intellectually and just understand that you're here now and just keep questioning everything you think you are, that's cutting you off from that recognition. Eventually, you know, those layers shed the reality of you is, is here now with a bunch of layers and judgments and perceptions right now. It's not about adding more knowledge to that. That's just going to add layers to that, the intellectualizing of this process. So it's more about questioning what's cutting you off from that. And those layers peel back to being where you've always been. So there's nowhere to get, there's nothing to nowhere to go. There's nothing to be that you aren't already. It's just a letting go of everything you think you are that comes through the questioning of what you're holding on to and what's cutting you off from that recognition. And I think that's it. It's that it's not just about working your way towards this recognition or, or, or questioning your way to the, towards this recognition. As I've told Andrew numerous times throughout the path, that's all great. But if you don't keep it light, you're not going anywhere. And it's because it will eventually weigh you down the weight of the journey itself that you're perceiving will start to weigh you down because there is no journey. You are already exactly what you want to be. You are already exactly what you're trying to become. All you're doing is going through the process of giving up the urge to convince yourself you're not. Right. And so as much as the questioning is important, 
a little bit of crazy is really helpful. Like a little bit of being able to just keep it light and laugh at the absurdity of even trying to be something. Laughter. If you want to feel this more than anything else, then you have to feel, which means presence. But that doesn't mean anything specific. So if you're looking for something, if you're like, why can't I feel this? You're looking for a feeling. It's very much like uh, trying psychedelics and wondering why you're not feeling the, the effects. It's because you're looking for an effect. So you're looking for something and missing what's happening. And it really is that simple. So sometimes the easiest way to feel the present is to laugh. Right? Have a good exhale. And just settle into the chair you're sitting in. And there's really nothing else beyond it. It's just that that feeling can get deeper. That feeling can become more encompassing the more you relax into it. But there's nothing to get to. It's the arrival. It's arriving where you are that starts to develop that feeling. But that takes time. It's not something you're just going to feel necessarily because you're going to have to break that habit of trying to find a feeling. Because you'll be like, okay, am I feeling it? And immediately you're not because you asked a question. You created the journey. You're looking for something again, right? So as long as the, the internal dialogue's not there, as long as you're not thinking about it, you are the present. There's nowhere else to go, but it takes time to get used to that feeling. Faith in yourself takes time just because you haven't been doing it. Yeah, your idea of the truth or your idea of the feeling is never the truth and is never the feeling. So any any time you're you're getting caught up and you know, oh, I want to feel it, I don't feel it yet. I wish I felt it yet. Or I wish I felt it already. Like letting go of the need to feel anything, any idea of what you think it is, is where it's allowed to arise. It's, it's an arising within yourself. It's not something that you get to. It's not something outside of yourself. You're already experiencing it right now. It's your idea that you're not that's cutting you off from feeling it, from recognizing it. Like, oh, I don't feel it yet. Oh, I want to feel it. Oh, I wish I felt it. Oh, you know, I, I don't feel good about myself until I feel this. It's like all of those things are layer, 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 layer on top of the reality that you're already it right now like you would be able to feel it if you stopped trying to accomplish anything or achieve anything or, or get to any place that isn't here now like it's i'm not going to say it's a difficult thing to get across but it's it's uh i think tough in our current mentality in our current egotistical mentality of chasing the carrot and running from the stick constantly to communicate that it isn't something to get. It isn't a an accomplishment to achieve or get to. It's just a deepening into the recognition that you're here now and a letting go of the desire, of the suffering that comes with wanting to be somewhere other than where you're at right now. When you can just recognize that I'm here now and that's all I want, I just want to be here. If you can say that, like that's going to get you a lot closer than I wish I was there. I wish I could feel this. I don't want to be feeling what I'm feeling. I wish I could feel this freedom. 
I don't want to be where I'm at. I wish I could be there. It's just recognizing that you're already feeling it. Whatever you're feeling right now, as uncomfortable as it may be, is it. Because it's where you're at here now. It's never not that. There's nowhere to get and nothing to be. So you're already at and already there. That's it. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, the first Harry Potter movie? Yes. And I'm sure somebody who's read the book is going to be like, the book is better. I'm sure it is. The point being is that I like the visual and anybody who's seen the movie is going to have an easier time relating to this. There's a part in that movie where the kids are trying to get past these these trials that are protecting the the philosopher's stone and and one of them is this creeping vine they land in this room and this vine starts like ensnaring them and choking them and they start to panic and they're trying to get out of it and the way to get out of it was to relax how hard is it to relax under that pressure how hard is it to just let go when you feel everything in your body resisting the urge to let go and that's very much what we're talking about is that there's going to come to this point where you've done so much work, you've tried so hard, you've changed yourself, you've gone through all of these different stages and you're still coming to that wall, to that wall over and over. Why can't I just find fucking peace? And then you give up on peace and there it is. And there it is. And it's, it's mind-boggling how simple it is and yet how hard it is to grasp while you're trying to get there it really is a leap of intuition it's a leap of insight it's a leap of faith and it takes time to work your way there but i'm going to say this and this is super important take your time you're trying to get to this thing that you think enlightenment or peace is you're trying to get to this sense of freedom that you have in your head that is nothing like the reality. The reality is vast. The reality is completely uncertain and beautiful in, in how free it is, but it's not what you think it is. Enjoy the journey because when you get where you're going, once you realize that it's not where you think it is, you're going to recognize that everything you're going through right now is a gift. Enjoy it. Enjoy the journey because it will all make sense at some point. And the more you get out of it now, the bigger, the bigger your smile will be when you're in that state. Exactly. That spectrum of experience doesn't go away. It's more just the desire to be feeling anything other than what you're feeling and your acceptance of wherever you're at. And, and letting go of your opinion is really what it comes down to. And I think through practice, you just get better at that. But it's not like you know, we have this idea that it's like, oh, my mind's going to be quiet and I'm going to be, you know, just calm and chill and nothing's going to bother me ever. It's like, I don't know. That type of life doesn't exactly uh, get me going. That, that was always my uh, my concern with i don't know concern whatever word um with eckhart tolle was uh, i loved him like when i read the power of now i didn't understand it at all read it again read it again read it again read it again read it like five times and finally started to understand where he's coming from but once i started to understand it more it was you know still super conceptual and i was like think thought of him as being an enlightened being and 
a big part of me was like, I don't know if I want to be that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I got a lot more emotion in me. I, I like doing a lot of things that he doesn't necessarily, you know, do very much. Like, is that, do you have to live a life like that? If you're, if you're enlightened, I don't know if that's quite for me. So, um, yeah, I guess understanding that recognizing that you're here now, that you're God, that it's all you, that you are what is like, there's no rules to that through recognizing yourself and everyone through actually doing so there's a state of empathy that is unparalleled before you understand that. And so you're always acting out of that when you see it, you know, we still get, you know, everyone gets caught up in their shit and frustrations and whatnot. And you do certain things that maybe if you weren't so caught up in your shit, you wouldn't have done, but it's not that there are rules that come with this recognition. It's just a, a degree of clarity that allows you to act appropriately no matter what. But that idea of enlightenment isn't what you think. There's still the spectrum of all of the experiences. They don't go away. Yeah, your mind does get quieter when you recognize that you're not what you think you are because that noisy mind that you're always thinking about pretty much always has to do with the idea of yourself. That illusion of you is something separate from everything and all of the concerns that come with that and all the the value that you think you have to gain and and fear losing at all times is is for the most part what is involved in our quote unquote overthinking or noisy mind or mental suffering or whatever comes down to the idea of you. So as you let that go, it definitely does get quieter, but it doesn't mean that you don't still go through shit. And that the, all of those experiences, the spectrum of those experiences are incredible. And there is no rush to that because as long as you're rushing to the idea of something, you're only getting further from the recognition because it's not an idea and it only arises through the letting go of the need to get to any idea. So. Yeah. You almost don't want to get to this, this beatific monk stage where, you know, everything goes through this monotone kind of response of peace and enlightenment and open yourself like a lotus flower and all of that. And the reason in my experience is honestly, because people don't resonate with it very often. Some people do, if they're looking for that, often they'll, they're, they'll go looking for that enlightened monk. And so that's the character that they're looking for. And they're kind of fulfilling their own narrative at that point. But often I find in, in real world situations, when somebody's not trying to chase this concept of enlightenment, but they're actually just dealing with day-to-day -day shit, talking to somebody in that tone, talking to somebody from that mentality is really quite frustrating for them. And it's because they're suffering, right? And you're such, you're on so far on the, on the other side of the spectrum that it's very difficult for them to even see a bridge, right? Without creating some concept of you as being enlightened and see the problem there. And, and so I find emotion is fantastic. I, I find it's a great way of empathizing and connecting with people to show a little bit of emotion to actually 
feel things and express feelings about things without any worry or without needing to block yourself off or protect yourself or judge yourself or any of that stuff. For sure. I mean, I've cried in front of people. I've laughed in front of people. I've shared things about insecurities with, with clients. And I've, I've talked to people about some of the stuff I'm going through in my day-to-day -day life. And they're like, oh, wow, really? It's like, yeah, it may not look like it, but I'm going through the same shit that you are. The only difference is, is that I've learned to dance with it. It never lands a blow. Does that make sense? It never hits me. And if it does, I spin with it. I use the momentum to do something else. I'm never at the mercy of my life. I'm always adapting to it and aligning with it. And that just takes time. That just takes time and practice and sensitivity. That's all it is. But the intellectual stuff, I mean, it's good. It's fun. It'll help. But it's really, it's, it's in the relationships, it's in the shit, it's in the feelings that you're going to start to actually gain some degree of understanding of what it is you are. Because the conceptual stuff, the, the intellectual stuff, that's all description. You are already what the descriptions are trying to describe. So there's two parts of this, which is being able to you know, play with the description and be the described to feel yourself as the described. And part of that is just allowing yourself to feel. There is no enlightenment. You are already there. Amen. Um, all right, on that note, I got another question. Do we have any more in the chat? I didn't see too many specific ones come up but i don't know if you saw it's been any. largely in the vein of this conversation i just want to say actually i appreciate everybody who's leaving a comment currently during this live stream any questions that you bring up we're going to try and get to but i've noticed that there's a lot of insights that have been going back and forth between the part the people participating in the chat and so they're having kind of their own conversation and, and helping inspire us so thank you for that yeah absolutely i we love the questions and commentary uh we appreciate it because yeah it gives us to stuff to stuff to chew on uh you know we can go back and forth for for a while but it's fun to get other people involved and and uh yeah so i got i got a question kind of along these lines thoughts about self-love so uh, an expansion on that i'm curious your take you know as we've been discussing you know letting go of the idea of yourself um i very much see self-love and self-hate as a lot closer than people think and because it's all wrapped around the idea of you that's just an illusion and so i'm curious if i know everything is a tool and there's degrees to which you know you can use tools to help you get out of certain shit but do you think self-love is beneficial and if so to what degree until it's time to let it go. I think it depends, right? Like when we talk about self-love, often we're talking egotistically to some degree. Sometimes we're not. We're just talking about, you know, self-care, prioritizing your existence, prioritizing your health, your body, your state of mind, which is, which is great. Do that. But you can get so fixated on self-love that you're only taking care of yourself. That you're only trying to love yourself. And that's actually disconnecting you from other people. Right. This is where it becomes vanity <laughs> after a while, where it becomes just about you and it becomes another form of selfishness. So to me, self-love is 
what is when we're not trying to be anything right and again it's one of those things that unravels on its on its own over time as you start to experience that but i find often what gets in the way of self-love is that we're trying to love ourselves and usually that comes right back to our idea of ourselves and so it's like we're trying to love our idea of ourselves but our idea of ourselves is not who we are and so we end up in this weird kind of confusion of trying to love something that makes us unhappy and of course it's not going to make us happy so there's this cognitive dissonance that's happening where you're just like but i'm trying to love myself why am i not happy why don't i feel good i love myself but you don't, you're not loving yourself. You're loving your idea of yourself. You're loving all of these things about your life. Let's just say, but when you love yourself, that's the here and now, that's just being. That's self-love, allowing yourself to be without any preconditions or judgments, right? That is love to anybody is allowing them to be without any preconditions or judgments, right? So yeah, I think it really just comes down to who's the you that you're loving? Yeah, I like it because if it's that idea of you, if you're relying upon that, convincing of yourself, number one, it takes a shitload of effort to always be loving yourself and relying on that to feel better. So you're like, I'm, I'm lovable. I love myself. I'm this, I'm that. And you're constantly telling yourself a story and that story can flip like that. As soon as someone comes around, has a different opinion of you. Than your opinion of yourself that you've been holding on to all of a sudden that self-love becomes self-hate because it's very fragile it's it's rooted in illusions and concepts in ideas and so and beyond that it's just i don't know sounds exhausting to love yourself and rely on that self-love for feeling better it's i think through recognizing that you don't have, if you hate yourself, you don't have to love yourself. You can just not think about yourself so much. You can just be where you're at. The experience becomes enjoyable in and of itself and incredibly enjoyable when you're not thinking about yourself so much because it's what's left. And, and then you're just here now. What can I do with this experience here now? I don't, oh, I don't have to think about myself so much. I don't have to love myself. I feel like I'm hating myself. It's like, you just can recognize you don't have to tell yourself a story because that story is never the truth. It's never going to be the truth of what you are. And so the egotistical type of self-love, I think there's a lot of, lot of danger in that. But as Ray said, you know, true self-love is when you're not telling yourself anything and you know, likewise goes for anyone else, letting go of the expectations yourself of anyone else acting in the way that you want them to, that's true love. It's not doing what you think is best for them or trying to get them to live their life based on what's best for them. It's it's allowing them to be without so many goddamn expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not going to get too much farther into that because that's actually a good portion of what we're going to be talking about at the, at the Authentic Coaching work, Workshop this weekend is about... <sighs> the establishment of an environment of safety. Because really, I mean, when we're talking about loving yourself or hating yourself, we're immediately missing the point because we're thinking about you as a concept, as an idea, right? But love itself is the cessation of effort. It's the acceptance of what you are, right? So love is what is when you're not trying to be something. But 
as with every other thing that we've been describing throughout this live stream, it's not the concept. It's so difficult to get our minds around this at first, but it's like the difference between the idea of air and air. You don't breathe the idea of air. You breathe air. So you can have an idea of air, but that is different than the feeling of it going into your lungs or out of your lungs. Right? That is different than the description of that experience. So this is where our, our brain tends to short circuit because we're trying to understand something, but our brain can only understand it to a point. Then we have to develop sensitivity and actually be in it. And that's where participation in your physical life can be helpful. This is why I've recommended to people before, like take up slacklining or martial art or uh, knitting, sport, pretty much anything that requires your attention, because in that you will actually start to pay attention to yourself and your experience of what you're having. And you can break down that division between the observer and the observed that you're so habitually used to perceiving, because whenever you're paying attention, that is the observer and the observed being one. Right. So that's all you have to practice. Exactly. All right. We feel on another question. All right. Uh, can you take your top off sexy? I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is a question, but we're not getting to that. Uh, you know it. What? <laughs> yeah. uh, may maybe uh, some other time. Uh, what's your advice on figuring out a problem in life that you don't have the answer to? Uh, I mean, I'll go real quick. You never have the answer to any problem in life. So figuring out a problem that you don't have the answer to is the only type of situation you can ever possibly be in. But I think through that, recognizing that there's no right answer ever. The, the quote unquote right or correct answer is the one that you choose, but letting go of the idea that there is a right and a wrong answer allows you to just be where you're at and recognize, you know, what's actually happening in that. And it's not so much about the thing that you choose because that's just, you know, one moment, one experience, but it's how well you can roll with it, how attentive you can be to the experience once you choose a direction that informs the rest of your life and have the faith in yourself through making more and more decisions or, or figuring out more and more things through that you build faith in yourself. And then, you know, the, the problem or figuring out the solution or finding an answer isn't as much of a concern as just doing it and continuing on with your life. But yeah, you know, problems don't have answers ever. They just have actions that are taken out of certain degrees of clarity, I guess. And through that, you know, there's more things that arise, more problems, more solutions, more situations, more decisions to be made beyond that. And so just continuing on informs everything else that you do. Nice answer. Absolutely. This may not have anything to do with what they're asking, but I wanted to mention it anyway. Um, some problems don't have solutions. Like some problems, there are no resolutions to. And I mean this specifically in terms of like personal problems with people, relationships and whatnot. Sometimes there's no solution. Sometimes you're just not going to get along. And that's okay. There's, there's a certain degree of freedom and accepting that it's not up to you or even not even possible for you to fix 
everything that you perceive to be a problem, right? But as Andrew said, if it is something you want to tackle, then a big part of it is recognizing that your perception that it's a problem is also getting in your way, right? Because then it's coming back to your, your idea of yourself and whether or not you can do it, whether or not you can adapt to it, whether or not you can problem solve it as it were. Um, and that will usually trip you up. So in my opinion, if you're going to try and solve a problem, first step is to get rid of the idea that's a problem because that usually comes back to your idea of yourself. Then just try, try just for the sake of trying if you can. I mean, that's another good thing to remember about this is that failing at something doesn't define you. So it's not really a failure. It's always growth. It's just that again, once you're focused on yourself as an idea, failure seems like a negative thing rather than a necessary thing. So just try and keep that in mind as well. If you're problem solving that, just keep going at the end of the day, like it's either worth getting to the end of, or it's not, but you will determine that as you're going. It doesn't mean anything about you or your value or your potential. Yeah, that was, that was the only thing I was going to add um, towards the end, but you already touched on it. Just being that whatever comes out of it, whatever thing that you try and do to solve the problem or situation you go through afterwards, it doesn't, raise or lower your value, you know, solving, quote unquote, solving the problem doesn't raise your value. Having, experiencing more problems after this problem doesn't lower your value in any way, shape or form. So, yeah, I think, I think you did a pretty good job answering that one. There, there is another one that I wanted to get to. I, I gave a kind of non-answer answer, sort of an answer on my story, uh, Instagram story already. But, uh, yeah, two two questions, kind of same realm. Do drugs and alcohol hinder spiritual development? Uh, do drugs and alcohol hinder the process of being in the here and now? Okay, I'm going to tackle the first one. I'll tackle the second one first. No, because you are all, always the process of being here and now. It may hinder your ability to do that fluidly or with less conflict, that I'll say, especially alcohol, alcohol specifically, but also certain types of drugs because different drugs have different impacts on you. you know, psychedelics tend to take away your sense of control or at least your sense of what is, your sense of what is, it takes away your assumptions of what you're experiencing because everything becomes more fluid. So there's a different impact there. But then again, you have different types of drugs. Like I was saying, like you have speed for example, any type of speed, whether it's crystal meth or otherwise, that will change your perception. Cocaine, same thing. That's a different type of high that that's more of a control, powerful high. That's, that's more of a, uh, ego reinforcing high as it were. Um, so yeah, it really just depends on the drugs. But if I was going to make any recommendations, it would be to avoid large amounts of alcohol. Right? It's not to say avoid alcohol, but try not to get drunk. I guess is the point on alcohol because there's this point where all of a sudden it stops relaxing you and it starts actually getting in your way where it's making your life more more difficult rather than taking off the weight it's creating weight so just keep that in mind with alcohol it's a really fine line uh, and aside from that stick with organics you know cannabis cannabis is is always um something that you can fall back to because it has a lot of different different effects depending on what it is you're struggling with you know if you're just 
have problems getting some sleep versus, or if you're looking for something that makes you a little bit more insightful, those are all possible within cannabis itself, just through the different terpenes and whatnot. Um, and then you have psilocybin mushrooms, which I highly recommend if you are having problems getting out of your confusion and out of your egotistical thinking, and you're just, you're having problems just setting yourself down. If that's something that you're struggling with, then definitely look into microdosing, look into psilocybin because that's what happens in that state of mind is that there, there is no habitual thought about you. It all leaves. And what you're left with is the reality of here and now, which can, you know, be uncomfortable at first, but that's the point is to sit through it and recognize you were never in any danger. And then you'll recognize going back into your normal quote unquote sober life, that you're still not in danger. And it's a lot easier to be present because you're not grasping for all of those thoughts that make you have a sense of false certainty. Beautiful. I don't have too much to add, but I'll just talk about it as well. <laughs> uh, I, I just think it's funny too, even, even in the question, drugs and alcohol, as if alcohol isn't a drug and it's like probably arguably the most destructive drug that we have on this planet. And yet we've actually been able to categorize it outside of that. And then also like just the the fact that we have a word drugs and it just has a stigma like, oh, that's a drug and therefore that's bad. It's like, oh, goodness gracious. There's so such a vast spectrum of all of this. And I, I would argue that along with some of the uh, hard, hardcore speed drugs and alcohol, they're on the they're on the end of the most detrimental, potentially detrimental to you and your life in general. And then on the other end are like some of the drugs have been illegal for a while that are actually more on the beneficial end of things, be it psilocybin and cannabis. There's so many benefits, but we've actually been able to take one of the ones on the far end of the most destructive uh, end of the spectrum and make that one legal and then get rid of the ones that could actually be you know, beneficial. And so in terms of being here now, you can't not be here now. We've talked about that plenty. So no, no drug or alcohol can cause you to not experience the here and now, because no matter what you're experiencing, you're here and you're now. But there is in the sense of being, you know, deepening into that state of presence and, and being so, so deep in it that you almost feel like you're in the center of the universe versus kind of just fogging up everything that's here now. There's certainly a spectrum of that. And I would argue that alcohol, you know, it, it's a, as Ray said, a relaxant to a degree until it just kind of puts you to sleep, but you're still there. Like you're still doing what you're doing, but you're significantly less aware. Whereas, mushrooms kind of peel you back to where you're super aware and super sensitive. It's like, you know, the layers analogy, mushrooms peel the layers back. So you are, are less caring about, you know, how people perceive you. You're less self-conscious and whatnot, because there's not so many layers creating that self. Whereas alcohol adds so many more layers that you're just not conscious. <laughs> it's not even that you're not self-conscious. It's like, there's way more self 
and you've gone like out the other end where you're not even conscious of it's not that you're not conscious of that idea of yourself, but you're just not conscious of anyone or anything. Um, that being said, like, I'm not going to come on here and say, like, raise a careful about getting drunk. Like, I still get drunk from time to time. Like, I'll go out with my friends again. No rules, but awareness and sensitivity always. You know, why are you doing it? Are you doing it to escape or are you do just doing it, you know, for fun once in a while? And I think as I become, less concerned with perceptions and you know where i'm at and what anything means about me there's less you know need for something like alcohol because i'm able to do the same things that i did where alcohol was you know seen as a tool or a crutch um that i don't need it anymore and you really start to see too why people use alcohol. And I think that's something that our society misses out on because we go, you know, usually kids start drinking in high school, college, and it's just kind of this thing that you do. And it makes all of the social type of situations easier in the sense that there's less concern. As I was saying before, there's just less, you're less conscious of, of everything going on. And so we kind of miss out on you know, why do people do it? And it's to avoid the discomfort. And something I like to compare it to is, you know, like a middle school dance. Most people experience something like that before you ever drank alcohol, you went to a middle school dance and it was super uncomfortable at first. And everyone was kind of separated, spread out. Not many people were dancing. And then someone starts dancing. And then by the end of it, everyone's in there having a great time, inhibitions down, everyone's sweating, you got ties tied around your forehead and it's just a great time. There was never any alcohol involved. So alcohol is able to kind of, it, it's used as a shortcut to go from that thing, that experience at a middle, middle school dance from, you know, no one saying anything to going crazy and everyone having a great time because they're not so concerned anymore that may take, you know, an hour or two at a dance like that. You're able to do it after a few drinks and then they keep going. And so, you're able to avoid that discomfort, just like we avoid discomfort in so many ways. We avoid you know, the process of questioning because it is uncomfortable, but it's what allows us to actually get better. It's like the difference between feeling better and getting better. Alcohol temporary allow, temporarily allows you to feel better through avoiding the discomfort, but actually hinders your ability to get better and, and takes you further from getting better. Whereas something like psilocybin mushrooms, some of your trips might be super uncomfortable and it may not feel better immediately, but through that experience and deepening into what's actually going on and, and allowing those feelings to arise and those concerns to arise, that's the process of getting better. It's facing the discomfort. And so long story short, no drugs or alcohol can ever hinder your process of being here now, but they can certainly fog it up more versus allow you to see it more clearly and actually work through things here and now. So yeah, there, some are definitely more highly recommended by us than others. But again, no rules, nothing is off limits, just awareness, clarity, sensitivity for what you're doing and why you're doing it um, is super important along the way. Yeah. And uh, just to throw this out there for anybody who would like to have a more 
in-depth conversation about cannabis or psilocybin should definitely come to the retreat in April because we will have a very long conversation about those subjects. Yes, and I love conversations. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's a great topic to talk about. Um, it looks like we got another uh, about astrology. This was something that was asked on my q and I kind of touched on it uh, briefly, but and we talk about it plenty, but uh, I don't know. Do you want to talk about that? No, oh, you start this one. I've said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so we've definitely touched on this in recent episodes too but uh, astrology is rooted in some truth at some point there is measurements of the universe the sky stars all of the astrological things that created you know the whole idea of astrology uh that being said the universe moves moves a lot and all of the things that we hold on to right now that we deemed to be astrology were things that were figured out through you know, hundreds, thousands of years of studying our solar system, the planets, the movement of them, the relative impacts of them. When, you know, in the past, you know, thousands of years ago, there was a lot less, there were way less humans. There's a lot less man-made, you know, pollution and all these things. We were probably able to see things a lot more clearly. Like every night was probably like this background that I have on my screen right now, and probably even to a way greater degree. So they spent years and years because they didn't have necessarily as much going on. You know, you don't have maybe internet and technology and all this stuff to distract us from what's happening all around us. They're actually able to study all these things and, and get gain an understanding. And so now uh, I would argue that the astrology that we believe in, hold on to that is from that was taken from studying them for so long for so many years from it was you know settled upon thousands of years ago is no longer the reality of what it is right now because we stopped studying it we just pointed to it like another religion another belief system so it is a sad sad shell of what it once was and what it was intended to be as sort of a expression and a result of studying reality for so long we kind of stopped doing that and we were just like oh here's something else i can believe in and this you know makes me feel better about myself so i'm just gonna follow this and do this and believe in this um so yeah it's rooted in some truth but we're very very far from that truth right now yeah it's interesting when you think back to like the history of humanity the sky was basically like the number one show for thousands of years. It's pretty much all we had. You had the daytime sky and the nighttime sky. And the nighttime sky was vast, right? Which is why, again, I've commented on before why so many religions originated in the desert where it's nothing but sky at night. You and God, as it were, right? But yeah, I mean, looking at it at the stars, over hundreds and thousands of years, we would start to look into them as, as being as reflective as the rest of reality of, uh, in terms of symbolism about our existence. But again, it, there's a difference between carefully watching the procession of change and reflecting on that procession of change from a point of responsibility 
versus following somebody else's reflections on change that happened several thousand years ago. It's a very different thing. It's kind of like uh, looking at the Mayan calendar, the long count calendar, um, which is like a 26,000 year calendar. It's a circular calendar because to the Mayans, we are in repeating cycles, right? Well, that calendar isn't used anymore. And largely because the church kind of wiped everybody out who was, who was practicing it, but it's still accessible. There are still people who do research on that calendar. The problem is, is that they can't figure out what the dates were in terms of alignment with our current calendar because all of that knowledge was lost. Right. So there are guesses. Oh, it lines up with this day. Oh, it lines up with this day. This is where you had that panic in 2012. Mayan calendar says it's the end of the universe. It's not what it said. And nobody was sure that that was the actual date because they couldn't line up the, the long count calendar with the Gregorian calendar. There's a gap in terms of like several hundred years. So they're not sure where in that gap the actual alignment is. So we can look at the Mayan calendar, we can look at all the rich symbolism but we lack the mentality that created it. We lack the awareness that it was founded upon or the observations that they were looking at. And, and so to us, it's just a cool thing. And it's kind of the same with astrology, right? It's cool. And sure, there may be some truth to it, but how much is just hit and miss based on the fact that so much has changed since it was invented, Right. And that's that's the only thing about astrology is why I like the expression that astrology is the earliest form of idolatry. It's the earliest practice of looking somewhere outside of ourselves for answers about the universe. And that's the only danger. But the recognition that we're all connected, the recognition that that all of the planetary bodies and everything are all connected, that they affect us as we're born, as we move around, that they are, in fact, extensions of our universal awareness because we are the universe itself. That's all great. That's fantastic. But how often is astrology looked at from that perspective? Yeah. Amen. I would argue very, very rarely. Uh, it's kind of like any other religion. We see the words... Most people, uh, it's fascinating with religion that even something like the Bible, you know, people who call themselves religious, they've never even read the Bible. It's just something that allows them to feel more comfortable, soothes a couple of their fears. So they settle upon it. And anyone who questions it, they get mad about and say they're being disrespectful. And so it's, it's very interesting with just all of these things, how far we've gotten from the reality of them. But, um, are there any other questions in the chat? Otherwise, uh, I got another on Instagram. Let's go with the one on Instagram. And if anybody has any questions left on the chat, they can leave them here in the last 10 minutes. We will be here for another 12 minutes or so. Sweet. Oh, um, I did see one. A mindset of no expectations before taking shrooms is important. Um, yeah, I, we already you know, talked about shrooms a bit, but I would, I would say yes, definitely. Um, there have been some where like the, the furthest I've gone with expectations weren't even expectations. It was like, I was going through some stuff and I just wrote a couple of questions down and then just kind of put the piece of paper away and didn't go in. Like, I want an answer to this, but then coming out of it, went back to the questions and kind of like, saw them a little bit more clearly and were able to 
you know, act upon it, but it wasn't like I have this question and then like my brain is just like, here's an answer. And and that's it because I have gone in, uh, there was a point it was the second bigger trip that I had. So I took first time I ever did, um, I took a certain amount and then I took a little bit more and are we allowed to, are we going to get in trouble for this? Are we okay? Okay. Um, okay. Cause I know we were concerned with like Twitch, well, but yeah, I didn't, right. I didn't see anything. About yeah. Whatever. Um, so I took, uh, yeah, a certain amount. I think I took like three grams. Then I took four grams the second time. And so I had a great time on three. It was the first time I ever had a heavy dose and, you know, you can go back to early, uh, in season one. And I think it was like episode three, episode two or three was right after that trip that I had, which was my first ever bigger trip. And uh, so the next time I took four and I was like, oh, it's going to be the same exact thing, just a little bit deeper. And so I had expectations going into it. And it was not it was the only time I came close to having like a bad trip. And it wasn't even that it was a bad trip. It was just that I had expectations going in and they weren't it. So I had, you know, a certain preference opinion of it. And then it didn't happen. So it, it turned into sort of like nihilistic, but like pessimistic nihilism type uh, trip and experience. And I was like, oh, damn, none of this matters or means anything. And I was kind of getting caught up in that. Uh, and then I was able to take a walk. I was in New York still at the time and just walked around, saw a new part of the city and kind of recognized like, oh, yeah, none of this necessarily inherently means anything or matters but here's a whole new thing that i had never experienced before so this is kind of what it's all about is finding out more shit and doing things because you can um but yeah so so i would argue or, or recommend not holding on to any expectations of a trip and kind of allowing it to take you where you where you go basically and just being there for it because anytime you have expectations of anything it's like you're not fully there for it it's impossible to hold on to expectations and be fully aware of where you're at at the same time and through that full attention and awareness of where you're at is where things are learned and you're actually able to grow so any expectations are, are going to veil that and even beyond that like one of the best things you can learn from taking mushrooms is relaxing into that uncertainty and recognizing that you don't have to have expectations for yourself in any situation or anyone or anything that you go through. Um, so yeah, no expectations. Definitely recommend. Yeah. Have some faith. It's funny because if you can, if you can regard the mushrooms as you would a wizened ancient master that you were going to for question to, for training, you'd be better off. Like you don't go to that master and say, hey, this is what I'd like to learn today. Because he knows or she knows much better than you do what you need to learn today. And so whenever I'm going on a mushroom trip, I don't have any preconceptions. Whatever I'm supposed to process is what I'm going to process. The mushrooms are just a chance for you to get super involved in the process, in letting go. That's all it is. It's just kind of an accelerator pad for being in the present and processing what that means. Right. So if you go into it 
with an idea of what you're looking for, you're not in the present, you're actually working against the mushroom and it will create some resistance and that will fuck up your trip. So just keep that in mind. It's not even about no expectations. It's about just faith. Just go into it, see what happens. And then on your way out, when you're clear, then you can do whatever the hell you want. And I mean that once you're clear out the other side and not even finished the trip, but just done the peak and found your balance, then you can start processing things in your life. Then if you want to start looking at things from a different state of mind, that's not a bad thing to do, but don't go into it that way because you'll, you'll distort, you will distort what is already on the edge of your attention waiting to be processed. Amen. Yeah. I like, I like that thinking of it like a old wise master type person, which really it is. That's what, that's really what they feel like is holy fuck. I thought I knew some shit and now they're telling me all this stuff. And it's like, it's just raw. It's like much closer to, I mean, not closer because that's what we are too, but like this raw, deeper intelligence of reality. And it's through that. And it just goes to show that, you know, peeling back that idea of yourself and even, you know, it can be scientifically proven that it, it, uh, down regulates your default mode network, which is where the part of your brain, where your ego or sense of self kind of resides, uh, beyond that through a down regulation or a letting go of the idea of yourself or not needing to tell yourself the story, like you are just raw intelligence and you do have, you know, all of the answers that you could ever imagine within you and, and not, you know, the, the idea of answers in the sense of school and tests and whatnot, like the right answer or the wrong answer, but just a deep knowing that comes through a letting go and a peeling back of all of those layers of what you think you are. And so the mushrooms are just that. And, and it's like, allow you to see that in yourself. So it's not even them doing anything. It's just allowing you to reach a part of yourself that is always available beyond that limited idea of yourself yeah absolutely you get a chance to experience what you are without all of the thoughts about what you are which is again ex an experience and sensitivity so i hope that answers your question again if you have any questions regarding this subject either reach out to us uh, on discord or better yet join us on patreon uh we're going to be wrapping up here very shortly but we will be but we will be continuing on Patreon for the next two hours in a tier one group discussion. Uh, tier one is only $5 a month. You get to chat with us a couple of times a week. You can be on the screen, ask your questions, share your insights. It's a lot of fun. And of course, it also helps support dualistic unity and all of the uh, ambitious projects that, that we are currently uh, involved with. And there's going to be more in terms of news there as well. But if you want to know more, you can join us on Patreon. This has been a blast. I, I absolutely love these these Q and A section uh, sessions when we do these live shows. It's it's always nice to see so many people coming and joining us, and and just sharing what they're going through. So thank you. We really appreciate everybody who's here. Yes, agreed. It makes me even more excited for the call in show we're going to be doing at some point here because yeah, that'll that'll be a lot of fun to just get people's I don't know voices involved and then eventually the Patreon episodes and whatnot uh just yeah getting more more iterations of me involved in all of this is really what it's come down to and that's been our point each season it's just how many how much more of me can i get involved in all of this uh so yeah it's been a lot of fun but very much appreciate everyone for joining and and 
asking questions and being involved in the conversation and and the chat over here it's always a lot of fun yeah yeah absolutely what a great way to spend monday actually we may as well wrap up a few minutes early thank you for joining us everyone we will see you on patreon in about 15 minutes if you can't join us there do sign up for the free public group that is happening on wednesday at six o'clock eastern time happens every week so if you can't make it this week that's fine registration is totally free and you can try out a, a group zoom discussion see if you like it and if you do you can join us on patreon and all right bye everyone